This episode of No Guitar is Safe is brought to you by Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com. Guitar Player. Play better. Sound better. Josh Workman today. Episode sixty three. No guitar is safe. Ladies and gentlemen, Josh Workman in the house. As I was saying, episode 63 here, no guitar is safe. When I met Josh Workman, I was 12, and he was one of the very, very best guitar players that I knew, and some things never change, because it's still true. Absolutely one of the best guitar players I know, man. Dude, you are so great. Oh, now he's giving me a little bit. like that. Give us the hipster chord. Oh, there you go. That's what I'm looking for. What's that? I love it, man. You got the chords. A lot of stuff out of the melodic minor, of course. I love it, Josh. You know, Dire Straits. He's talking about Guitar George. He knows all the chords. It's Guitar Josh. (laughs) Yeah, man. In the house. (laughs) 
So today we didn't actually go anywhere. We just flew. I just picked up Josh and flew the helicopter here to my house. So uh, he just lives a few blocks away. So that's why we're already in it. All right. Already rolling. I remember when I first started jamming, you had the band in town. You were the first guy. Flashback. Because I was the eighth grade mofo. <laughs> and uh, man, so now, but what made you start playing, man? So all my friends played violins and I just couldn't stand the sound of it. So I had to find an instrument that was going to be a little different than that, all that squeakiness. But it's actually Jimi Hendrix. I think he was yeah. the guy who uh, I heard that and I knew I had to play guitar. And then... Um, what was the moment? Man, it, it, it was probably it was probably Purple Haze or like something like that. Like you had a vinyl record or something? Yeah, or yeah. Oh, you know what? It was, it was my folks. They had, they had the records. My mom doesn't want to admit it, but uh, it might have been her yeah. record, but it might have been my dad's. I don't know. But um, And then a friend of mine's uh, godfather was Mike Bloomfield, and he's the one who showed me E7 Sharp 9. So. Wow. That was it, you know. And that went well with Purple Haze, I guess. Sure did. <laughs> yeah, I love that stuff, man. So you grabbed a first guitar when? Because when I met you, it was Casadero Music Camp. And right. I was about 11, maybe 12. Yeah. yeah. And you were already playing like a pro, and all the teachers had you in their bands. But before we get to that, what was your first guitar? It, I don't think it had a name, but I think I got it at Mission. Uh, uh, yeah, it was like a, what was it called? Pacific pawn shop or loan anyway it was like a, it was like a 40 dollars guitar it had no name to it it looked like a tysco damn so yeah. how old were you when you started playing uh, about nine. Oh, actually the very first actually that was my first sort of real guitar my first thing that had six strings was from toys r us and you would <laughs> tune it into an, a, an am radio and, uh-huh. and and i discovered feedback that way too no shit you early on yeah i remember you were always tinkering too and building stuff and rewiring strats and stuff you were the guy and you're still the guy <laughs> So, um, how did you end up at Casadero? Like, uh, I know, I think my parents loved it, but they also like getting rid of me for 10 days. That was cool. Especially cause I was already making noise with the guitar. That's where I met you. How did you end up over there? I have no clue. They, yeah, yeah. they probably said how we're going to get rid of them for the summer and <laughs> sign me up too. Cause I grew up in San Francisco and that was through the city of Berkeley. Right. 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 That's yeah, where yeah. I was. And that's where I met all you guys. And it seems like I've known all you guys for so long. I, I thought for sure I'd known you my whole life. You've known me a lot longer than you haven't known me. Because it's true. been forever. Um, man, so I, yeah, so that's when I first saw you, I think, was at Casadero, and Raz Kennedy was singing and right. stuff. The first time I really remember you, and this was so kick-ass, Raz did Hendrix, and he did Hendrix perfectly, except for he wasn't even holding a guitar. He was just singing and doing all the, like the sexy thrusts and <laughs> singing purple haze and yeah. you were up there just crushing it and casadero was great wasn't that amphitheater just so beautiful like oh, everyone's yeah. watching there's all these it's a big amphitheater with all these uh benches and the redwood trees surrounding the backdrop yeah and just the air was so good russian river right oh, there yeah wine country but like more like the tall trees and you're out there rocking on purple haze <laughs> You know, the thing about Raz Kennedy, too, is he got up and played guitar later, too. He did, like, Hit Me With Your Best Shot by Pat Benatar and right. did a pretty cool guitar solo. Yeah, yeah. And he's, like, the famous vocal coach for everyone right. who knows him. But then, do you remember what jam we ever we first played? See, this is very, very influential for me, but I don't know if you remember. Uh, was it an Earth, Wind, and Fire tune? Oh, Wait. yeah. Give a little bit. Yeah. We performed that at Casadero. Yeah. 
And you had a flanger pedal, and they gave you the big solo. Oh, man. I still have a recording of that somewhere. What? Unbelievable. Yeah. Amazing. I, have, I like have all my old flashback tapes and stuff, and I think I still have a recording of that. Who was our teacher in that class? Was that Jamie Bell? No, it was not Jamie Bell. It was... I want to say oh. like a bill or something. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I can't remember. But speaking of Pat Benatar, I was, yeah, I was recording at Capitol Records many years later, and I ran into her in the hallway. She was just going to use the restroom, and I was like, she's really tiny. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> that's cool, man. You yeah. recorded at Capitol? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah I've this. been in that room. We had Phil Collin from Def Leppard, mm. who was on this podcast, and we did it in the big room there at cool. Capitol. Yeah, but I was in I'm, Studio B, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know which is which, but... Yeah. Yeah, I've never recorded there, though. All right, let's play some blues, man. Okay, cool. What key? Uh, you know. start off. I don't know. I don't know. How about G? Are we doing uh, overdrive or clean? Or, I don't know. It's up to you. Oh, it looks like my overdrive's on. Okay, well, I guess there yeah. we go. One, two, three... watching you.
All right, show me what's your favorite blues turnaround for the ending. <laughs> oh, there's a million of them. Wow. It's, with this, oh, yeah, funny, with this Les Paul, I'm thinking Mike Bloomfield, actually. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I love that I Les Paul. I finally got my first Les Paul like a year ago. I can't believe all these years I never had one. Finally went solid body. I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, when we were growing up, I had that uh, red wine SG. I know. That thing played so easily. I so should have bought that from you. I, yeah, actually, I sold it for 250 bucks yeah. to some guy who ran up to my doorstep and said, all right, I know where you live. This thing better work. <laughs> yeah, it was, and it was like, it was from the 60s, but I, I had cut a big hole in the middle of the pick guard to put a Strat pickup in there. I could never leave anything alone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Crime against I know humanity. No, that's great. Um, yeah, so... Of course, there's the usual. There's also. Um... Oh. Hello. I love it. You can all. Yeah, I'm always messing around with. Different, I love that. Different uh, turnarounds. Anyway, Dude, sweet. Yeah, yeah, I was. This is the one I always like to show people. I stole, okay. stole from. Uh, <laughs> it's from Larry Carlton. Wait, how's it go? I gotta try it again. Nice. He starts off so quiet. That song is called the BP Blues mm. from, uh, I guess that means Baked Potato Blues. BP oh, Blues, for, he recorded live. It's on an album called. Or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, totally. Just <laughs> so much for all the transcribing I did kicking in here. Oh, man. You got, you, got, you got the chords. The thing I love about you, too, is you got the groove, too. Did you ever have a great guitar teacher when you were growing up in San Francisco? Or? I actually had several. Uh, Tuck Andrus, who I think you, you studied with, right? I studied with him yeah. right after high school for a good solid year. Right. Yeah. I studied with him, um, yeah, I was probably about 15. I met him at jazz camp, which was also at Casadero at that time. I was working in the oh. kitchen, and uh, and I would, in exchange for lessons and all. And, and then I studied with him uh, when I came back from camp. It was like 25 bucks a lesson. He was at UC Berkeley, remember? And he had that little uh, little box of sheets. He was so organized. Oh, he was such a great teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I want to learn how to walk bass. He's like, well, I have a sheet on that. Yeah, yeah. And even, I think I remember he had this little arrangement. Yeah, uh, all this stuff. Yeah, he had all these cool Don't make me play giant steps. Josh. No, 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 no. That's, that's all right. Uncool. That's... Um, I'm bringing a knife to a gunfight here, okay? So you, you, no, go ahead. Tell me more. About oh, no, 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 Show no, me that. It. That was beautiful. Well, no, no. It was just, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember how he did it at this point, but I remember at the time it was, it was like all these cool new voicings. And, and then later on, I understood how it all worked. And, um, but he really opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. And, and looking back, I guess I really didn't appreciate what he had going on. Cause I was like, you know, he'd show me something really funky, and I go, "No, no, man, I want to learn some Robin Ford licks, and you know, whatever." And yeah. which is you another know, great player, of course, you know. But I didn't appreciate at fifteen that Tuck had his own thing that people around the world would just love to be sitting in a room learning from him, you know. Yeah, and he had such um, groove. Oh yeah, I'll never forget because I brought him in a I brought him a cassette tape 
of Mike Stern. Mm-hmm. The song's called Scuffle. And in within like 20 seconds, he had all these licks down. Wow. It's like the E minor stuff. I remember these licks to this day. But... Like he showed, I was like, you just picked that up? Like he was just yeah. like listening, rewind. Yeah, we're talking cassettes, right? Yeah, yeah little just... Sony Walkman. <laughs> Handheld. And he was just crushing it. And he showed me this other thing too that was on that song. It's like at the, if the groove's like that, mm-hmm. he's like, Mike Stern's going... It was mind-boggling that, I, that he could figure it out so fast. I mean, I was yeah. just 18 years old. But and Talk about accompanying a singer. I mean... Oh, he was so funky. I yeah. love Tuck Andress. And, and his niece is like St. Vincent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she, she gives him credit. Dude, I love your funky stuff. Now, now he, folks, he's put aside the pick. Yeah, play oh, me yeah. some of that. Oh, uh, I don't know. I got nothing worked out. Oh. I'm loving that this thing has coil taps on it. Here I'm sitting with the master <laughs> of popping. Yeah. You know, I just I just mess around. Dude, there's no master, and uh, <laughs> I have my my two licks. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, that's what I didn't have the coil taps on. Here are the coil taps. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. got the two E's. Josh. 
missed the ending. Here, I'll do the ending again. One, two, three. <laughs> oh, shit. It was better the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the ending. So, man. Now, just for a second, mm-hmm. just to go back in the time machine here, you had a band at 13, and you guys were, like, kind of popular. You had, like, people showing up. Well, at least on our block. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you had like 20 people. You played at the, Didn't you play at the Keystone Berkeley? Yeah, boy. Now, I mean, didn't that become a, a drugstore or something? It is. Yeah. It's this tr- great yeah. tragedy. But people who don't know, the Keystone Berkeley, like, I mean, that's like a piece of history. Like uh, Jerry Garcia used to play there all the time and all all kinds of 70s artists and stuff. We used to play at the, the Mabuhay Gardens, too. The Fab yeah. Mab. A lot of the punk bands came out of there, too. And yeah, remember you guys the Berkeley were Square? gigging yeah. at... 12 and 13. How does this happen? <laughs> well, the funny thing, yeah. Um, and yeah good, I thought that was a good name, too. Flashback. Flashback. And then it, then we, yeah, then we changed it to, what do we change it to? Vertigo Play. Vertigo Play. Well, and I the... kind of took over for you when you left that, and that was my first band. Oh, okay, right. When I was like 15. But we never really did a real gig, but you guys did a bunch of gigs. Well, I remember, yeah, we when we played it, we used to play at a place called the Chi Chi Club, and Miss Keiko owned the place, and I don't know where yeah. she got that name but but sometimes we'd have to hide in the back because the cops would show up because we we're so yeah. young you know and they'd hide us in the back and we'd come back and finish our set yeah <laughs> oh man so your parents were very supportive and all oh, yeah. your parents would drive you around and yeah i lived up a couple of flights of stairs and i had my first real amp was a twin reverb and i think it weighed as much as i did oh heck yeah. you know so it's like here there's my mom helping me schlep it up the stairs you know at 13 or whatever <sighs> that's brutal i remember i bought one when i was 15 and the guy's like can i help carry it to your car and i'm like no i got this and i'm like carrying out he's got this really long walkway in front of his house out to the street yeah. and my mom's coming to pick me up i'm like it's like <laughs> i still that i wonder why my lower back isn't what it used yeah, to be yeah right yeah fender Man. twins i don't mess with that anymore later you find out it's easier to get a half sack and a separate head and just roll it around and carry a fender twin <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I've actually owned uh, any kind of stack since I was a teenager. I've had my yeah. old Fender Deluxe, you know, 65. And then, man, the great, great Jeff Gomes was in Flashback. Mm-hmm. And he went on to do Fungo, Fungo Mungo, Mungo and yeah. Merv. And so he's still a friend to this day. Love that. Yeah. Noah Shanker's in there. Pete Kyes. Right. He was a rock star at, at, at Willard Junior High, when, <laughs> where I went to school. Now... You made a huge, you impressed us all so immensely. Now, people don't understand, but this was the early 80s, and you were on a vinyl record. This thing shows up at Noah's house. I haven't seen you for a couple months. I was like, check this out. And you are in the back cover with all these looking like super heavyweight jazz cats, and you're like, you know, a kid. Yeah. Well, it was actually, it was my, my junior high band director, Larry Douglas, and he had a bunch of guys that he played with, because uh, he was working with Sun Ra wow. at the time. Um, gosh, I can't remember all their names, but it was pretty funny to see this album where there's, like he said, you know, older musicians, and then you got these three kids, because there's three of us who were like his students who... Uh, I think I was a freshman in high school at that point, and he, you know, he wanted to do us a favor and get us on, on a little record there. And um, and I, I remember uh, Cadence Magazine did a review, and and I guess because I had an overdrive pedal on, they were like, oh well, yeah, it reminds me of Mike Stern, because at that point, like, what guy? You know, most guys who were uh, playing jazz or whatever weren't using an overdrive as much, I guess. And 
Yeah. Right. Now you had some interesting gear back then. I remember you had that Galleon Kruger head with oh, the yeah. stereo chorus, which I, I loved. Right. I don't even know where if those exist anymore. Like if you could even find one on eBay in working order. I, I wonder if anyone has one, but I don't know, man. But I remember was, as soon as I bought it, I was tearing it open and like, you know, changing stuff inside. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah, I apprenticed as an amp repair guy. I used to over to Berkeley and in the mornings I'd apprentice at Tweed Music and then I'd go jam with you guys. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I've always wanted to up my ninja kung fu with uh, the soldering gun. Well, now but, everybody can learn how to do it on YouTube or whatever. The thing is just to make sure you don't kill yourself by sticking oh, yeah. your hand in the wrong place. Even with guitar mods, yeah. it's just it's so great that you dove into all that stuff. You know? Yeah. I remember you came over and rewired Ravi's Stratocaster. <laughs> he he our, probably regretted it by the time I was done. <laughs> our buddy Ravi Abkarian, yeah. director of Oaktown Jazz Workshops. It's so interesting to see where everyone, what everyone does with their love of music. But yeah, you you rewired his Strat and got the cool like you, I loved it, man. Oh, was I that the was, one where you where it kind of made it like a Telecaster type, where you could kind of turn off the middle? Yeah, pickup. you turn off the middle and get that Tele right. sound. Yeah. And, there's a lot of well, Robbie. thanks to Guitar Player Magazine for that. Right, right. Mods. That's right. I saved that. See, the difference. That's the difference between you and me. I, like many, many legions of other guitar players out there, saved that piece of paper for a million years, thinking, so "Oh, someday I. I'll do it." But you did it. <laughs> that's the difference. Oh, I still have some of those amp mods, probably from the '80s, sitting in. A, I, 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 I'm such a pack rat. You know, I still have a bunch of that stuff. You know, I've yeah. had to economize coming down to LA. You know, but. Man, I just love too that you were the you really seem like at that point that we're talking about early high school that you suddenly like you were such a commanding rock player and all of a sudden it seemed like you took a distinct turn in the road and went into deeper music. I don't want to just say you went jazz, but you definitely went deeper. Well, I was. I mean, I was definitely, you know, getting into Charlie Parker and Wes Montgomery. Actually, some other teachers that I definitely, um, uh, Ray Scott, who in the, you know, in the Bay Area, he's just one of these guys who's a working musician, who's played with all kinds of great players, but outside of the Bay Area, maybe people don't hear about him, but he's the one who uh, turned me on to Wes Montgomery, an old uh, Tone Master cassette this you know, th- probably had dog hair all over it or whatever. And he said, here, check this out. And on one side was Robin Ford. And on the other side was Road Song by Wes Montgomery. And that was the f- my introduction to Wes. You know that one? Can yeah. you play a little bit of it? Oh, man, I can't even remember that. Yeah. Uh, something like that. You have a nice touch with the octaves. Now you're using your thumb. Do you have, have any tips for someone who wants to get a warm, a warm well, sound like what you're getting right there? Well, I love that tone. I, you know, and I, I don't do it that much these yeah. days. Um, but yeah, of course, it's it's yeah. about the the flesh of the thumb. I wish I could bend my thumb back like Wes could. He could really. Uh, okay, so you had a. He was bionic, huh? Yeah. And then another thing that, of course, you and I have talked about a lot, but Wes would do that. Six, six to diminish. diminish thing, yeah. Yeah, dude. Show yeah. me a little bit. I love that sound. Let's hear some of that. Okay, well, you know, we've... So, yeah, it's, the great thing about it is you can... Oh, it's so you can, sweet. You can, you can take any melody and, and do that. I mean, of course... Oh, you know, that's what was whole... that? Fly Me to the Moon or something? Oh, yeah, that's Fly. Yeah. So you could go like... Uh, yeah. 
something like that. Yeah. But uh, it's just a whole uh, thing that Barry Harris, uh, the pianist Barry Harris, um, organized this kind of this stuff that bebop players have been doing for years anyway, and he calls it six to diminished. And it's quite literally inversions of a six chord, and then the diminished chords act as the five chord. So, yeah, give me like the $2 six to diminished lesson for someone who's never done it. Like, what's a good starting exercise or sequence of chords, sequence of grips that would show it? Show the yeah. Tiny. Yeah. So, the, uh, an easy way to, to get started would be, of course, uh, in terms of the, the harmonic. Uh, thing it's all about chord inversions so i'm sure most people like if we take an a minor seven the top four strings so you're so the top four strings of the fifth fret fifth fret so i've got g c e a got the root on the top so we can call this a minor seven uh right. but it's also c major six correct so we have g c and e that's your c major triad and then there's the six on top so you can call it a minor seven or you can call it c6 so let's call it c6 because a lot of the especially like the older jazz stuff deals with six chords so let's just start there so if you already know your a minor seven inversions right now you're at the seventh position yeah so i've got uh say a e g c and if I put a C under it, there's that shape. Then yeah. if we go up to the 10th fret and we have C, G, A, E. Yeah. And then uh, the last one would be, say, up around the 13th fret, uh, we got E, A, C, G. And you can also play that down at the bottom of the neck, which looks like that A minor 7 chord right. that everybody knows down there. So if you, first you want to make sure you're good with your inversions. Oops, sorry. And then what we do is, uh, just like piano players, or you'll hear bass players going, won't, uh, sorry, you go like, boom, boom, dun, dun. Well, pianists do that all the time, too, in, in jazz. And what will happen is we'll have, this will be the C chord, and then we're, and then we take a, uh, a diminished, you could call this, if you look at the top string, you could call this B diminished, maybe. Um, right. Uh, yeah, G sharp, D, uh, F, B. And... Um, yeah, so these, of course, these yeah. every three frets, they they A-R-D. invert. So that represents um, the five chord. That represents right. G7. And this chord, the A flat, gives you a flat nine. Totally. So what we're doing is we're going back and forth between these inversions. That, that first one we had on the fifth fret. And then we go up to that B diminished. And then we go to the next... C6 inversion. Yeah. Then up to the, we could call this D diminished on the top. And then we go up to the next inversion, and that's uh, up on the 10th fret. And then we go up, uh, we could call this F diminished on top. And then we could go up around the 13th fret. And so. That's so cool. And so you actually end up with an eight note scale. You end up with, um, you could, uh, because if we go, if we go, and so this, that in itself is a, a lot of times you'll just call it the bebop scale, you know, and so that gives you an eight notes instead of seven notes. So you could just run your scales up and down and stay in time, whereas if you do your regular major scales you kind of end up uh, in a seven yeah. note seven notes against you and know, so the, a song you know. like fly me to the moon is just it's perfect because it's got a scale 
a scalar melody. Right. And so what's happening there, it, and what's this works out great, because here's the duality of that inversion. I'm calling this uh, C6, but it's also A minor 7. And lo and behold, the first chord to fly me to the moon is A minor 7. And so it goes... So... You want me to be your bass player? Uh, sure. Count it off. One, a two... We'll just do like maybe four bars or something. A one, two, three, and... So that's that's probably good right there, dude. Yeah. So so what's happening there is um, I've got A minor seven. Then in this case, instead of calling this G seven flat nine, I'm calling this E seven flat nine because right. that's the five of that A minor seven. So you keep going back yeah. and forth one five one five one. So I go one five one. Now what's happening here? Now that I'm going to D minor seven, right before that I'm going to turn that A minor seven into an A seven. An A dominant seven with a flat nine, so and that's very common in jazz to yeah. go like. So I go. Sweet. And now I'm at D minor seven, and now the D minor seven. I'm going to now do these A seven flat nine. And and these two are just inversions of. D minor seven, and we're using the same four shapes on the top four strings for this. And of course, you can yeah. move these down to uh, the middle strings and all that as well. Dude, that's a, see right there. That's a great lesson that you could practice for <laughs> years. <laughs> right? No, I've gotten a lot of mileage out of this. If I'm on a jazz gig and I need an instant chord solo, I just go right to that. You know? Can you give me another example? Like, what if I could I play something and you could do some chords? Chord solo? Oh. What should I do? I don't know. Minor blues? Is the word do you throw Yeah, it sure. Anywhere? We could do that. Do a minor blues, and I'll do some of that kind of stuff over it, maybe. Key of what key? Uh, C minor? Sure. Change it up. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, now it, with that groove. I I tried to make it work for a second, but I think the, nice sounds in the middle strings too you know yeah cool. dude so you went off to school well you just went off you always went off you always yeah. go off yeah you went off to new york city which is another thing that really impressed us kids 
back home on the farm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco is a cool spot. But we were duly impressed when you shot off to uh, New York and you went to the new school, right? Right. So first I went to Berkeley in Boston oh, yeah, for okay. a second for like a year. Um, and I, I'm glad I did. Uh, I got a lot of good stuff out of that. Um, but I just felt a little uh, more at home with New York. Um for whatever reason, it just worked out better for me. And I uh, loved the new school. At that point, there were only, I think, about 100 students there. And it was like me, uh, Pete Bernstein, Brad Meldow, um, Larry Goldings, all these wow. great players, you know. And then me. <laughs> you know, I, you know, stop it. Whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, but I'm still in touch with a lot of, a lot of uh, the people that I met there. Um, and who was teaching there? So you had, like, you had Jim Hall. and. Wow. Um, uh, Gene Bertoncini, Vic Juris. Uh, Vic was a, a wonderful teacher. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, there's a few guys. Billy Harper. Yeah, just tons of Hal Galper. You know, just so much talent there. Did you find yourself doing lots of gigs too on the side? Or like, was it hard to like be a student and get out and play in the city and score yourself your own gigs? I was doing some, some gigs. Uh, had a little group. Uh, we were called Devosh. It was uh, it's funny, yeah. We had it was like a multicultural kind of thing, but um, um, yeah, a wonderful percussionist from Israel named Gilad. Uh, then the bass players from Japan, and you know, it's kind of all kinds of different um, stuff going on. Um, and then I also worked as a transcriber, uh, which at the time I've you know I felt like oh I'm such a loser. I'm sitting inside transcribing all this music, but eight hours a day of that for a while, it's actually informed my ears and helped my abilities when it comes to arranging. And stuff like that. Yeah. If I have to whip out an arrangement, I can pretty much visualize what it's all going to sound like and write it down. That's you very know, cool. That what kind of stuff were you transcribing? Mm. You're just over Hal Leonard and stuff? Yeah, Hal Leonard, Warner Brothers, all that. Actually, where it all started was um, thanks to uh, Armin Denelian, who's a wonderful pianist uh, from the New School. Or I, I met him at the New School, and he recommended me to advance music in Germany. And so I did um, a couple of John Abercrombie books, and it was so much fun. They, wow. Uh, I went to the studio, uh, watched them record, and um, I know Adam Nussbaum was on drums. And, gosh, I'm trying to remember the bass player. Um, but anyway, they would just hand me the cassette at that point, and I'd run home and start transcribing. You know? oh, so they wanted it to come out with the album. Yeah, it was one of those was one of those kind of music minus one type deals. Uh-huh. Uh, and then that led to, yeah, uh, doing stuff like B.B. King, Joe Pass, Pantera. B.B. King's like really hard to, that kind of stuff. I mean, you can, it just so much is not, you could write one dot on the paper does not show. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, the funny thing is, is uh, the hardest thing was notating uh, 12-8 rhythms, you know? Uh, you know, it's like when you have a, a blues shuffle, no, people yeah. don't think about it. It's like, dun, 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 dun. But to notate, that's actually, it's it's much easier to just learn it by ear than actually trying to read in 12-8, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Of course, New York is the big, tough city. I remember, did, did you run into some thugs one night or something? What happened? Oh, several times, yeah. I remember one time, <laughs> what happened? You got, you went to the bank, Oh, oh, wow. Well, there was, well, there was one where, yeah, I was going to buy a keyboard finally, and I, I had taken out like 400 bucks, and what a dummy, and I pulled it out of the ATM, and I got on the subway, but I swear, I mean, I, these guys must have followed me like all through the subway, and, I, and it wasn't until I was almost uptown when a couple of guys, like one guy distracted me, and the other guy grabbed the money and all that, and 
Um, oh, whatever. <laughs> you know, whatever. We all have these stories, you know. That's pretty brutal, though. But, I mean, uh, But the nice thing is, actually, they heard about it at the new school, and a bunch of people kind of threw in five bucks here, ten bucks here, and they all bought me a keyboard, so that was really nice. You better be a good keyboard player now, Josh. Oh, I'm terrible. <laughs> Arranger's <laughs> piano. That's what I do. That's but, cool. I know you had a huge swing. Like, the swing craze took over in the night. Like, there's so many different things, like... There was the acid jazz thing. That oh, I was doing over. that a lot in New York in the early 90s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah my wah-wah pedal was constantly going. I mean, I was running through batteries constantly. Um, yeah, there was a, a group in New York called the uh, Groove the Groove Collective. And um, yeah, and then I was doing, yeah, I was doing some records with, uh, it was called Groove Thing. It was an offshoot of that. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, I remember doing yeah. a record through Mark Rebo's amp. I don't think he knows that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Hope I didn't mess it up. Um, Finally, I'm for, you're the guy. Yeah, I'm the guy. Uh, yeah, so it was that. And then I, then when I moved to San, back to San Francisco, I got a call from someone who said, hey, do you want to play in a swing band? I'm like, well, what do you call swing? And he's like, well, it's really jump blues. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And, um, yeah, Indigo Swing, I ended up touring around the States a few times and um, Europe and did some records. That's that's how we ended up uh, recording at Capitol. That was back in the days when they were actually uh, handing out record contracts still. Yeah. Um, and toured with Brian Setzer and my that's aunt cool. blew up and he let me use his spare. That was nice. You know? It's so funny you should mention that. I just, my buddy, you know, in Jefferson Starship, our tech, he's also Brian Setzer's tech. Tyler Sweet. Mm. He, he, whenever Brian Setzer comes through, so the other night I saw his uh, holiday show. Yeah. And yeah, he's got like four of those basements. Basemen? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Basemens, <laughs> man. Like the um, piggyback basement. Right. Basements. And they sound so great because he cranks them up and he's got always got a rolling Space tape echo, echo on top. Yeah, yeah. He's got tons of those. You never knows which one is going to. They have. A spare ready at every second oh, yeah. because that whole thing can go down sure that's the thing you with the, the good vintage equipment you never a know. lot of times tyler keeps an exact duplicate rig piggyback basement with a tape echo ready right behind it wow. like on stage so he can just roll it sideways like you don't from a distance you don't even realize there's right. two of them there right it's just sitting literally and they're all done in white tolex including the echo unit so they all match perfectly it's just beautiful cool so you were playing shows opening for him too. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, we got to play, shoot, yeah, all over the states and and uh, Europe and all that stuff. And uh, they had the fancy hotel rooms. We all slept on the bus, you know. <laughs> Admit it. Some of those cool licks I hear him playing, he, you showed him a couple of them, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> no, actually, I was inspired by hearing him. Um, because I hadn't really gotten so much into the more of the rockabilly kind of stuff. And on our second album, uh, it was called Red Light, there's more of that kind of rockabilly sounding stuff in there. Um, my own version of it, of course. Can we yeah. hear an Indigo Swing song? What should I look up? Oh. Uh, Is there um, a, like well, a there's actually one that I uh, wrote called Big Hair Mama. Maybe we should Perfect. check that out. And there's actually a, a band in, in Italy that's covering that song these days. All these years later, they I heard it on YouTube. And the funny thing is you go to search for our version of it, and theirs comes up before because theirs is the most current one on YouTube. Yeah. Spending 
spending all my money at the five and dime. And then you fuss and got me working all the time. It's your big hammer. So that sounds great, man. So who's singing? So uh, his name's Johnny Boyd, and he's he's living living in uh, Portland, Oregon these days, and he's still touring. Uh, sometimes he'll play some of the old Indigo swing tunes, and st- they still play that stuff in dance classes down here in L.A. You know, that's great. Now your guitar tone on this solo is killer. Yeah, that was probably through my old Gibson GA6, I think. What's that? It's, what, a, what? it's like a 6-watt Gibson amp with a... It's like an Alnico 5 speaker in it, and I would just turn it up, you know? That's a real uh, tone. I think on this... What year is that amp from? You know, what, it's from what the era? Mid, mid-50s or something, and, and I can't remember what guitar I had at that point. I, I've sold so many guitars, you know how it goes. I think that was an ES-125 or something. I think that one was like one of the thin-line cutaway... Virgins, yeah. have any fast up tunes that we can listen to for indigo swing yeah well and i'll have you to play on yeah i'll have to check it out oh uh, it was hot in harlem it was on our first record that was a fun one cover tune i don't yeah they didn't write that one but uh and you're on that one. yeah i had I, I think i had a little guitar solo on that yeah i did actually cooking man seriously like that music is so fun i'm a huge fan of music that makes people move man whatever it is definitely whether it's george clinton or or bill clinton (laughs) (laughs) not i'm not sure about the way he makes people i don't know man he can play the sax pretty okay you know oh that's true that's true and yeah you guys were all over the country yeah, and yeah. Well, we were on the road like maybe 300 days a year for a while there. And dang, yeah, you were just doing it. And you know, you guys got. Pretty, I'm sure there's some crazy times on the on the road there. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we did some, uh, you know, some some TV shows and uh, I think some a couple of movies. But the the funny thing is, the you know how f- fads kind of happen is the movies. The Hollywood seems to always be about six months behind with the whatever the latest thing is. So we were on a, a, a movie called Three to Tango. Nev Campbell and some a couple other people on that, uh, but it was like a whole entirely swing soundtrack, and that came out right as the Latin uh, 
thing, you know, just the explosion happened like Ricky Martin and all that. Yeah. So it was completely irrelevant by that point in like 99, late 99. Yeah. You never know which way the, yeah. But, but the, the, I can say we, we were doing a, a version of violent love, you know, the Willie Dixon tune. Uh, and we did a version of that. And our version of that song comes on right as somebody's throwing up after eating a bad tuna sandwich. So that's <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> so it was a perfect, Hey, did you hear, did you hear that? Blah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was our song playing. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Dude, I just love the jump blues. I, I used to play that stuff at parties and but oh, yeah. you know, just amateur level. I want to hear you take a solo on one. Sure. Oh, sure. dude, I just let me watch you. Yeah, and a lot of that. <laughs> I'm mixing my genres so much I just I'll start popping at any point yeah I love that I love the, the stuff you do with that yeah 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 oh yeah <laughs> yeah I I um I had to really get into some T-Bone Walker stuff and all that uh, when I joined Indigo Swing. And then I ended up doing a T-Bone Walker book uh, at, at some point. It might have actually been before I joined the band. But anyway, so that was a lot of a lot of fun to get into all that stuff. Like, yeah, all that... I love that stuff. Yeah. Ah, dude. Yeah. You know, there's one one sequence of chords I stole re- recently from uh, Kirk Fletcher. He is so great. I got to get him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was, I was like, he does the juiciest shit. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. And this part. love those yeah. kind of big juicy like uh, yeah wrong, I asked him about key, that sorry, yeah. No, you, yeah, push yeah. it up to the 12th position right right yeah I, oh, yeah we're that's the flat. part I asked him about I was like where'd you get that that's again there's your there's your sixth chord again right totally he said he got it from the lap steel player or the pedal steel player in his church. Right, because it's that. the same yeah. shapes. You're just going, yeah. I love playing with good pedal steel players. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I worked in a, the West Coast Ramblers. That's what it was called. It was a, and a, Lee Jeffries, an amazing pedal steel player. Um, and he played with Big Sandy and the Flyright Boys for a long time down here in L.A. before he moved up to the Bay Area. So I love that whole thing, like Western Swing. I was just showing a buddy of mine the other day. Who was I showing it for? I can't even remember. But Jimmy Rivers, Brisbane Bob. Yeah. Oh, I love that album. <sighs> yeah, that what's that one tune? The very first tune is live. Bodo. Man, you're a walking thesaurus of tunes. <laughs> Not really. I actually learned I put that one into uh 
Some people use what? Amazing Slowdowner. I use Transcribe. The I app. use Transcribe too. And I put that in there and I learned that solo, man, because it's so juicy. Oh, yeah. Every note's perfect, but then I forgot it all. But, yeah, yeah. Well, I've and, apparently forgotten it all, And too. he plays it so quick, too. Oh, yeah. like, but they're just... And it, and it sounds so beautiful, him and the, the, the pedal steel at the same time. It's like this almost like a chorusing effect. Exactly. so great i said that something about country and Mm -hmm. and swing licks mixing together well the great thing about that music is especially coming from uh more of a traditional jazz or more like the bebop thing there's this kind of you know there's a lot of there's a lot of open-mindedness but then sometimes there isn't and there's a sort of um people kind of you know oh country music oh what is this stuff you know but you get into the western swing and there's no problem like you hear bebop licks you hear country licks it's all coalescing you know coexisting just fine and i love it especially for guitar players because i spent so many years trying to be a sax player trying to be a piano player and it's kind of like later in life i'm finally saying i can just be a guitar player you know that's why i love i'm playing uh uh, Monday nights I play with a gypsy jazz group and it's just so much fun to actually be a guitar player you know dude you are a guitar player <laughs> first of all I remember who I was showing the Brisbane bop to that was my buddy Oscar Jordan the other night saw him at the Brian Setzer thing mm-hmm. in the lobby we were nerding out I actually called that up on my iPhone and hey listen to this track I think anyway so yes this Django stuff you're playing with Carl Byron mm-hmm it's like every Monday night in L.A. Hot Club of Los Angeles. Um, we play at uh, Cinema Bar. Cinema Bar in Culver City. And, um, yeah, we actually, Jackson Brown sat in the other night. It was so much fun. I, I got a little, we're doing some stuff with him coming up uh, in February. And um, it's so much fun. And it, it's not a, a strict kind of gypsy jazz setup. We've got a drummer. We have Carl on accordion. Uh, a couple of guitar players. You know, bass. Carl's amazing. Yeah. Can I hear you play a little bit of that? Oh, sure. What should I play? Should we do like some minor swing? That's sure. pretty much the only one yeah. I know. Oh, you play it like that? Sure. Everybody plays it a little different. Yeah. I mean, of course, I'm playing this on an electric guitar. Even so, I'm just loving the funk. Give me a little bit more of that funk. That's just grooving.
you're sick, man. But it's funny because I keep playing bebop licks too, so I'm definitely not yeah. traditional in that way. I'm trying to learn some more of the Django licks again. You know, I've got some great, like, actually guys who know all those solos around me, so it's kind of goosing me to get hey. that together. Pushes you. Yeah. Show me the rhythm groove slowly, like sure. the way. Sure, and, and this is, like I said, it sounds better on an acoustic oh, yeah. guitar, you... um, but it's La Pompe. So it's it's you know it's actually this like it's like you could start out just going and that but it's a little thing yeah. it's almost like um Paul Mailing who has the Hot Club of San Francisco he best described it like shaking out a thermometer <laughs> uh, and and that's that little you, 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 yeah. it's the wrist like you're shaking out this thumb and it's um you can't even put a note value on it it's just a quick. And you can do it like 30% slower. I just always love a great rhythm guitar players. <laughs> yeah. Love great rhythm players, man, and you're one of them. Oh, thank you. I mean, 90% of what I do is rhythm guitar, you know. Uh, I think that's... I tell my students that, um, you know, I'm like, man, get your rhythm playing together. Because all that great sh- shredding, that's great. Um, but you got to be able to play rhythm. We both teach at MI, yep. Musicians Institute. Thank you, Jude, for introducing me, you know. Uh, You did it all yourself, man. Uh, (laughs) I just just nudged, you know, one email. That's all it took with a guy guy like you. But um, what do you find yourself teaching the students the most now? Obviously, we get into technical stuff, but, like, the most basic thing I I often teach is come down beneath the other soloists and listen. It's like a big thing with students that come in. They're 18, 19. It's like play underneath and listen now if yeah. it's a punk rock band or a metallica song maybe that's different but default setting come in underneath and then get louder if you need to yeah i'll test them i'll play like so quiet i'll be like see if they're if they absolutely can bring it down. i will intentionally play too quiet uh and and get them to to really listen but those are just basic things yeah. what would what, what do you find yourself teaching most that like the lesson that Maybe not so yeah, technical, I, but totally uh, listening. Just listening to who you're playing with. You know, keep your ears open. Always be ready to change yeah. to adapt to whoever you're working with. And and another, actually, this is I guess a little technical, but a lot of times what I'll do is I'll have I'll warm up the student with the metronome at forty, and we'll just do one note. We'll just sit there until it's so locked in that we don't hear the metronome anymore. Then we go to two note, you know, same pitch, but just two uh, notes per per click, all the way up to nine. Then we'll bring it back down to one. And going up, they don't notice the in- the increments as much. But coming back down, they start to really hear how suddenly, oh, this is dividing in half. It's getting drastically slower. And then we'll do little games like one, three, five, seven, nine notes per click and by the time you know we've done this for a few minutes the 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 rhythmic pyramid in their their ear there they can hear all these different rhythms that they maybe couldn't before that's a good lesson for anybody yeah that's cool yeah i always feel silly also by the way pontificating on what i teach because i'm (laughs) i need i need lessons as much i've run into so many students who are like yeah jude such a great teacher oh i don't know well that's cool yeah Yeah. you learn a lot after you teach her about teaching you know um, and of course I was going to say that I need lessons every bit as much as any one of these students I need to study as we all do. And I'm not yeah. saying that I've 
have anything figured out whatsoever. Oh, you know, I wanted to also mention a, another great teacher I had was Bruce Foreman. <sighs> wow. Yeah. You he's, know, um, he's been on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I love listening to, to him and Scott do their podcast too. Scott yeah. Henderson. They got their thing that they do. Sick. Yeah. All right. Now you also played with, I'm just, I, I'm sure she hates this when people refer to her by this first, but Wonder Woman. Right. Linda Carter. Yeah. Yeah, she's a good singer, friend. right? She's a jazz singer. Yeah, uh, we did it all kinds of different styles. So it was, uh, it was kind of like we play the kind of the cabaret circuit, you know. And um, and she actually was a singer, a working singer at sixteen. She was doing back in the in the sixties. You could do a tour of all the Holiday Inns in an area, and that's what she did. She was sixteen, working with a bunch of grownups as, and uh, doing that. And then, of course, she got discovered. I think it was that somebody entered her just without her knowledge. Entered, I think her dad might have entered her into, uh, uh, you know, the was the Miss Universe pageant. Okay, and then okay. she won that and then got the Wonder Woman thing. And that has to be like in the early 60s or something. Early 70s early at 70s. that point. I don't remember when Wonder Woman right. came out. Uh, and I remember I used to watch yeah. that when I was a kid. And, uh, and then so she actually took 18 years off of singing to raise her kids, you know. Um, great kids. I mean, now they're adults, you know. Um, but so I started working with her when she just kind of started back up again. And, uh, and I could see the growth uh, over the couple of years that I worked with her. And uh, yeah, it was a fun time. Met some great musicians, some great L.A. guys, uh, Ken Wilde, bass player. And yeah. Wow. And guys. she had a Lear jet and your guitar My was guitar on it. My guitar was on her jet. <laughs> I, I rode business class <laughs> on a regular plane, but my guitar was on her jet. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a good That's ride. A sweet gig. Played it, played it like Kennedy Center and stuff like that and whatever, a bunch of little places. Kennedy Center, no shit. That's awesome. Yeah. That's why, yeah, you couldn't, I couldn't go uh, adjust anything on my own. They're like, oh, wait, hold on. We got to get a yeah. union guy over here to move your amp an inch over this way. <laughs> Unions are real. That's right, man. Yeah, like at the Dolby Theater the other day. Dolby. Yeah. The Dolby. <laughs> Dolby Theater, where they do the Academy Awards. Yeah. That's where Brian Setzer was playing. And, you know, the stage goes dark for 6 30, You can't, if you go out there, that's, that's like a massive fine. If you even like open the door and step onto the stage that's during right. that one hour. That's right. It's a trip. Yeah. People are like, can I go on stage yet? Can I? Like, no way, dude. So, yeah. Let's talk about your solo album before we wrap this up. Yeah, yeah. Jumping at the border. Jumping at the border. That's because, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I have it in yeah. my stacks, but it's also on Spotify, of course, and all that. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say this, the name came from just because, I mean, for most of my life, I've just been kind of all over the place with styles. And, and actually on the, the CD cover, uh, it, it has different maps. Like it had the Bay Area where I was living, then had Brazil, it had France, you know, because I was playing some gypsy jazz stuff. I was playing some uh, samba stuff and... Uh, uh, stuff, yeah, we're doing like carinoso. You know, this kind of stuff too. And uh, yeah, I was really, really got into Brazilian music in my 20s. And uh, yeah, so there's wow. a bit of that on there too. I'm so glad you went through all those phases and you just play, call this stuff up. It's so great, man. <laughs> the first song has a distinct gypsy jazz flavor. It's right. a, is the whole thing kind of rubato? Let's listen to it. It's so beautiful. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's called Kali Sara and it's um it's from uh Lachodrome, the the movie Lachodrome which is you can actually see it on YouTube uh for free. They somebody put it up there and it just uh tr- you you see the 
the Romani people going all the way from uh, you know India to the Middle East to Eastern Europe and you know, Spain and France, and and it, it takes you on this journey of all these different kind of uh, groups of uh, of people and the music that goes that they they play. And so Kali Sara is from that movie, uh, and I uh, did my own version of it. the instrumentation on this song uh yeah so this is with um uh, it's with the hot club of san francisco and um and so we've got a couple of guitars or three guitars probably and then there's a violin and uh and bass and on this particular one the the bass player is playing arco with a bow let's listen to another one about this track i don't know if i can say the name too well andre de zapato novo notice that i left it to you (laughs) my brazilian friends will be laughing at me uh it it's kind of a silly name it has something to do with this guy andre and his new shoes (laughs) and that's about it but it's a yeah Uh, and i i'm gonna have to oh is that a pichinguinha tune I'm not sure. I'm going to have to look that up. You are a thesaurus yourself, man. For real. I love it. And of course, I have to ask you about our good friend, your wife, Nicole Vigil. Nicole did, Vigil. Did you meet her on tour with uh, so, Indigo? Uh, yeah, she ended up replacing Johnny in Indigo Swing. And I immediately uh, fell in love with her voice. And uh, we just got to know each other touring around the country, playing gigs. And... Um, we finally ended up getting married, and here we are, like 17 years later. I was there. Uh, yes, you were there. That was a great day. It was. You ain't got no money, ain't got no use for you. You ain't got no money, ain't got no use for you. So get me some money, no matter what you do. Great band, great band, and uh, yeah, uh, and she's doing voice acting these days. Does uh, video games and um, all oh, yeah. kinds of different stuff. Yeah, top secret, Silicon top secret uh, stuff. Yeah, she's doing one of those right now. It's good, it's amazing. Yeah, Are you sure she's not Siri? I'm just kidding. I don't know what she does. <laughs> she's a woman of mystery. She's, she's a mystery, total, yeah, total mystery. Total pro. You even have like a vocal booth in your house. We do. Like, we have a, a Studio Bricks booth. Uh, shout out to uh, Studio Bricks. Uh, people check them out there. Uh, it's about half of our kitchen uh, is this booth. Uh, and you put it together with no screws or anything. It's like Legos. That's dope. Yeah. And it comes on a, a giant pallet from uh, Spain. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, so all you musicians, when you go to Nam, check out uh, Studio Bricks. And it's yeah. just like a utterly dead room chamber to record vocals. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And, and since it's kind of modular, 
if you uh, wanted to, to put together a bigger booth, you could. You just take it apart and add some more parts to it. So that's what I really like about it, too. Not that we could fit it in our kitchen. <laughs> Anything bigger. All right. Well, thanks for coming yeah, over, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Do you need a little helicopter ride back to the house? Oh, yeah, sure. Cool. All right. Well, let's, let's jam out a little bit. Cool. What key? Anything but G. We've been playing in G. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. So... Thank you, Zoom, for the Zoom H6 recorder. Keep it alive till you're 95.